We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, what's going on? Welcome to the Irish Breakdown Podcast, coming to you live on a Thursday. Beautiful, wonderful Thursday, except it's extremely cloudy here in the state of New Jersey. But we are living. Not in Indiana, baby. The sun is shining here in Indiana, baby. So the sun is shining on the Golden Dome today, my friend. So that is a perfect time for us to have this conversation. Yeah, man. And this one, so Ryan Roberts, Brian Driscoll, of course, make sure to go check out irishbreakdown.com. If you haven't, if this is your first time joining us here on the YouTube channel, like, subscribe, all that great stuff. Brian, I know yesterday, I want to tell everyone actually a great story, right? A great story. Once upon a time, there was a great podcast that was yesterday's show (laughs) where there was a section of this podcast where people asked us for a hot take. And one hot take that Brian kind of talked about a little bit was that he legitimately thinks that Notre Dame is a championship-caliber football team in the year 2023. I thought you started that conversation. Oh, I I said that there's a landslide that could happen if they do win a championship in 2023. Which then led to me saying... Yes. Yes. All all these conversations work off of one another, which is awesome. And the reason (laughs) we want to do this podcast today is because me and Brian agree on one simple thing here, right? is that we believe that Notre Dame has a opportunity to compete for a national championship this upcoming season. So we wanted to break this thing down for you a little bit and talk about Notre Dame's chances, because the cool thing is, is that there's going to be kind of an overarching conversation here. We're going to be able to talk about the state of college football, what some other teams have bringing back, what are the strengths, weaknesses. So it's kind of a more of a college football topic, but we're going to take this into a micro level of Notre Dame and what they have in the ability to compete for a national championship. So we kind of broke this up into position groups and we have kind of put this into three categories. One is right now, definitively, we are confident that Notre Dame could compete for a national championship based upon this particular position group, offensively and defensively. That group can be the fuel to yes. a title. Right. Second group is that we have high expectations for a group but it's a little bit more of an unknown. There is some work to be done. There is some worth to be proven going into 2023 season. And then the third category is obviously we're just not sure, right? There's still work that needs to be done in order to get this to be the driving force to a national championship. So Brian, I know this is going to be a fun conversation, man, because there's a lot of variables that go into being a national championship. We're also going to talk about the, 
the importance of cer- certain positions, right? Because I think that there's a position hierarchy as far as the value of what really drives national championships. So let's start on the offensive side of the football, though. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I, I, I want to I want to just talk a little bit big picture about it, though, Ryan, about what makes yep. this unique, because I think a lot of people are going to say they're going to look at history and say, well, you know, look what Bama's done and look what Georgia's done. And Notre Dame can't compete with that. And and, and the, the point is this, Ryan, it's like, but it, it, it doesn't matter. Right. What matters is this season. And, and a perfect example is this. Notre Dame's 2018 team. If it would have been the 2017 season, could have won a title. No question. Could have won a title. They had no chance at winning a title in 2018 because they just didn't could not stack up against that outstanding uh, Clemson team. And they couldn't have won a title in 2019 because the best Notre Dame team, I've said this, the 15 team and the and the, tw- and the 18 team and the 17 team with a better quarterback could have better quarterback play could have contended for a title in a lot of years. None of those teams, none of them could have won a title in 2019. There's no way they're beating LSU. No way. Right. And, and m- most teams historically would have not have beaten that 2019 Correct. team, to your point. Yeah. And that 2018 yeah. Clemson team was pretty flipping good as well. Right. But you put that team in 2020 and you, you take the 2018 Notre Dame team against the 2020 Bama team, and it's a more competitive game. They'd have a shot. You put them against the 16 Bama team, and they've got a shot. You put them against the 17 Bama team, and they have a shot. The 2017 Notre Dame team was at best, at best, the third best team that Notre Dame had in the last 10 years. And they took Georgia down to the wire and didn't even play well early in the season against them, right? And so it, a lot of it depends on what year are, are you competing for this, for this championship, right? Like what is happening around the country? We've talked about there being some down years. 2021 was a bit of a down year nationally. 2020 was a bit of a down year because of the COVID stuff and just the craziness that all that was. Last year, there were some pretty strong teams in college football last year, right? Not as good as 2018 and 2019, but there were some pretty good teams that year. Where we're looking at this is when you look at 2023, this is a unique season where you have to be cognizant. If you're Notre Dame, you you say, well, you know, we're going to build to winning a championship. So 
we should think towards 2024. No, maybe your team might even be better in 2024. That's debatable. But you've got to look at college football as a whole as well and make your run now. That's what factors into do we go after Sam Hartman or we just develop Tyler Buckner, right? Well, that might have been better for 2024 to not take Sam Hartman and develop Tyler Buckner. But when you look around college football, you say, boy, we got a shot to make a run with a better quarterback play. And Tyler still is a giant unknown, talented. Everybody knows what I think about his upside, but that's a big gamble to to, to say we're going to ride that into this season. Because even his tremendous performance against South Carolina still included three interceptions. So I think when you look around college football, you see, look, Georgia has lost 25 players to the draft in the last two years. 25. They just had another key player take a payment, you know, take a payout to go to USC. They're going to still be very good. Don't get me wrong. But are they going to be the Georgia of the last two years? I, I don't think so. Are they are they a title contender? Of course. You're the champ till somebody beats you, Ryan. That's my stance, right? Bama's still going to have a very talented team, but they've got major question marks at quarterback. The guy that we were saying Notre Dame can't gamble on is now who Alabama's gambling on to win win them this year. And and but there's some other question marks. The receiving core isn't what it used to be. Their running back group is young, talented, but young. Their offensive line should be pretty good. There's some question marks other places. Very good team, title contender, no question, but not a, a typical Bama team that's been a title team. Ohio State lost some very good football players from their team. Major question marks in the offensive line. They just took a grad transfer from San Diego State to play left tackle for them, right? I mean, that's a that's and, and 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 guys, I don't want to break news here that the Simmons kid from San Diego State that they took was not their first option of offensive tackles in the portal. I just want to put it out Correct. there, like that was not their guy Correct. in the portal. Just want to right. put that out. They just lost a quarterback who's number two overall pick. Now, is Ohio State going to be talented? Of course they are. Are they going to be easy to beat this year? Of course not. The point is, are they a a a typical Ohio State team? You know, when you think, boy, that team's just got everything. No, no quarterback. Clemson obviously is not what they used to be, even though I think they've made some moves that are going to help them kind of get back on a maybe a little bit better trajectory. We'll, we'll talk about that. Moral of the story is, you look around college football, yeah, USC's the only team that you of, – of the teams that are title contenders, there's really only two, in my opinion. Well, three. I got to give Michigan – I mean, they've made the playoff two years in a row. I got to include Michigan in there. Only three of the seven or eight have a returning quarterback. I don't view Texas as a title contender yet. I mean, I know that they're getting a lot of hype, but they're coming off an eight and five year. I, I just need to see it with Texas first. They have talent, but I need to see it. USC has a big-time quarterback coming back, but their defense is a hot mess. Their offensive line's a major, major question mark. You look at, you know, obviously Michigan comes back. They lost some big-time players as well, right? They're a very good team, but they're not a, a flawless team. There have been better Michigan teams in past years. And then the third is LSU, who I who I think could be a title contender this year. We'll see. I, you know, again, I have questions about their coaching, but their roster is, is pretty good, Ryan. They're a top-10 team. And if you're in the top-10, you're – you're a title contender, in my opinion. So there aren't a lot of quarterbacks coming back, and now Notre Dame has a chance to go out there and take advantage of that, in my opinion. They return eight starters on defense. They return arguably the best tackle tandem in college football, veteran quarterback, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's there's the potential for them to make that run because of what's out there this year. This is one of those years you have to take advantage of two things. Number one, nationally, teams are just not going to be on the level they have been in recent years. And number two, those teams, especially the ones on your schedule, 
don't have the returning quarterbacks or you get them at home in the case of USC and Ohio State. So I think it's it's why we look at it and say, boy, this is this is the thing where you look at the combination of what Notre Dame has coming back combined with what other teams have coming back. This is a team that has a chance. Now, some things have got to get fixed and fall into place, and they're going to need some breaks to go their way. We're not we're not going to ignore that, but there's enough there to where if a couple things happen, this team has a chance, has a chance to make that kind of run, and they're better positioned now than they were in, in 2018 or 2015 when you look around the landscape of college football, in my opinion. So you're telling me there's a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. I, 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 I mean, look, man, I, and I think that the optimism starts on the offensive side of the ball, which is kind of a unique situation, isn't it, a little bit, Brian? The fact that, I mean, usually it's like the Notre Dame defense is the one sure. that like you're like sure about. Like, that's going to be a really good unit. Offensively, you need to get the offensive firepower working a little bit. I mean, you look at this offense for Notre Dame in 2023. That has me juiced man like just about every position we look at and we say like that team that spot if things roll the right way can compete for a national championship and could be a potential driving force and i i think it starts at the quarterback position right, right? Well, it, for, yeah for the first backfield time, backfield yeah. in general but yes it has to start at the quarterback position. yes yeah i mean because if we're overlaying and of course we did in this conversation put running back and quarterback into the same conversation my thing, though, is is that we, I, I think that most people would agree coming into this season that running back was going to be an absolute strength, right? And that was with without a transfer even in the conversation. You're like, yes, Aldrich Estime is a dude. We know how Notre Dame has been recruiting. We know that there's going to be a just a litter of talent at running back. But now with Sam Hartman coming in to add to that backfield – for the first time in a long time, and we just talked about this before the show started, a little like pre, you know pregame of just talking about you know what we're you know in, in depth about what we're going to talk speak about today. When is the last time? And you asked me this question, Brian, and I think it's a great question to kind of spark this conversation. Is when is the last time that Notre Dame had a more proven and productive option at quarterback coming back than Alabama, Ohio State, sure. Georgia? A- anywhere Clemson. almost just about like yeah. outside of like USC. Oklahoma. I mean, you right. can make that conversation. Well, statistically, there isn't a better quarterback coming back in college football. Now, again, that's a misleading. I mean, that if we're gonna go there, it's spin because two things. Number one is he's played longer, number one. And number two, he didn't do any of that for Notre Dame. He did it all at Wake Forest. So, right. But the point is, is we've seen him do it against Clemson and we've seen him do it in bowl games. We've seen him do it in a power five conference and we've seen the good and we've seen the bad. We know his warts and we know his strengths. And and so to me, when you look at it and say the reason that I want to I put want to put backfield together, Ryan, and, and, and I know that we're on the same page on this is because it's important to stress that at Wake Forest, Sam Hartman kind of had to do it all by himself. I mean, that's the reality of it. You and I both loved A.T. Perry as a football player. I absolutely love A.T. Perry. He was a six-round draft pick. Yeah, Med- medicals right? hurt him a little bit down the right. stretch, apparently. But yeah, yep. But he's a six-round draft pick, right? And, and so you're talking about a guy that made people around him better. And the reason that I like to go with the backfield together, number one, is because they work together. But number two, because this is the most support Sam Hartman's ever really going to have had. I mean – they had Kenny Walker at, at, at Wake Forest a couple of years ago, but they didn't use him. 
I mean, he, he wasn't even their leading ball carrier, I, I don't believe, in, in his last two seasons there, right? I mean, Christian Beal Smith. You, you know what's funny is someone told me it was one of my buddies, Alex, who does a lot of NFL draft stuff. Mm-hmm. He's like, dude, I really like this Kenneth Walker kid that's transferred from Wake Forest to Michigan State. I think he could be a riser this year. I'm like, yeah, all right, man, we'll see. We'll see. And right. that was a good call well, on his part. <laughs> Wake Forest had Cade Carney getting more carries than him in twenty in 2019. And then they had Christian Beal Smith get more carries than him in 2018 or 2020. Excuse me. I forgot me. about Cade Carney, man. What yeah. A throwback yeah. What so a he transfers back. to Pitt, has a great year. The point being that he's never going to, he, he hasn't had a feature back like Audric Estime. And then this, the depth at running back. And, and then you look at the wide receivers are going to be on par talent wise, if not better than what he had at Wake Forest. And then, of course, the offensive line, but the backfield part is together. And I think that's the important thing is you've got, to me, one of the 10 best quarterbacks, one of the 10 best running backs in college football returning to your roster for this season. And it's been a long time since we could say that about Notre Dame. I mean, in 2018, Ian Book was a nice player. He was a good veteran, you know, tough kid, did what he needed to do to make sure that they won a lot of games and all that. But you put him on the stage. What was Ian Book? Even if Ian Book was everything that some Notre Dame fans say he was, right? We all agree that when he got into the college football playoff, it was him, Kyler Murray, Trevor Lawrence, and Tua Tungavaloa. They're not on that level. This season, you feel better about the chance of him being there because let's say the typical teams make it, right? It's Ohio State. Well, Notre Dame has a chance to knock Ohio State out by themselves, right? Let's say Michigan or Penn State are the are the representatives of the Big Ten. And let's say you get your, your, you know, Notre Dame can knock out the Pac-12 champ, USC. Let's just go there. And they knock out Clemson, the, the SC, ACC champ, right? Just for argument's sake. And then you get your two typical SEC powers. So now we're talking about Notre Dame going to the college football playoff. And the four quarterbacks are J.J. McCarthy, Tyler Buckner, or Ty Simpson, and Carson Beck. Now, Carson Beck's a nice player, but he's not Tua Tungvalo. He's not Kyler Murray. He's not Trevor Lawrence, right? He's not Joe Burrow. He's not Justin Fields. He's not... Those guys that we've seen in the playoffs, playoff in the past seasons, Mac Jones, I mean, the list goes on. And that's what it comes down to. So now it's like we don't have the most important position in the game. We're not having to say, boy, we're having to, going to find a lot of other things to overcome the fact that we're not nearly as good as those teams there. And that's the reality because you have a chance to knock out one of the best quarterbacks in college football. You have a chance to knock them out of the playoff in the regular season at your place, in your stadium with a week to prepare, not a whole month where they can design a million schemes and all that at your place, right? Drew Aller's a talented quarterback, but he's Very far talented. from a, you know, he's work in progress. You know, he's, yeah. he's a still guy that still needs some work. I actually thought, I had a buddy who was like, I didn't think he played well in the spring game. I thought he played pretty well in their spring game. You know, made good decisions. He's just, an, he's, he's always going to be a bit of an inaccurate guy. He's never going to be a 70% completion guy. Yeah. But he's a guy that can go make some plays. And I thought he did that, but. You know, see a guy that you're saying right now, you're saying, oh, yeah, that guy's going to put a team on the shoulders and lead you to a title. And and right now you look at it and say, Notre Dame has a guy capable of it. Now, can he do it at Notre Dame? We'll find out. It's a, it's a bit of an unknown. But I have a hard time seeing this kid do what he's done at Wake Forest. And then he's played in some big – he's played at Clemson. He's played at Florida State and won, actually. He's yeah. never lost to Florida State, actually, as a starting quarterback. That's a wild it, stat, man. Yeah, How many quarterbacks can say that? How many quarterbacks can say that? That's crazy. Well, He's, Brian, I, I, what do we talk about in the recruiting circles so often around here? It's gap closers, right? And one position that there's been a gap at for several years between Notre Dame and the other powers in college football 
has been the quarterback position. I mean, right. you just mentioned a few of them, right? Like Justin Fields, Tua Tungavailoa, C.J. Stroud, that Bryce Young. There has been gaps as Matt far as Jones, the quarterbacks. Yeah. Yes, there's Kyler been Murray, Baker Mayfield. Yes, exactly. Exactly. There's been but, there's been that difference. There's been that difference. But here's the thing: what's the one powerhouse program that didn't have a gap at quarterback? It's Georgia. Georgia, yeah. And what happened the two times Notre Dame played Georgia? It was a competitive game. Yeah. Notre exactly. Dame had the ball in the fourth. Notre Dame had the ball late in the fourth quarter in both games with a chance to win with a touchdown. Both games. They had a second half lead in both games at Georgia and at Notre Dame because Georgia then it, it came down to, okay, you've got to beat us in the trenches for 60 minutes. And they were able to neutralize Notre Dame. But then Notre Dame was also able to neutralize Georgia in, in ways that people don't talk about in those two games. They weren't able to run the ball. They had. One long run in 17 on a jet sweep to DeAndre Swift. They didn't run the ball great in those other two games, but they didn't have a quarterback that could just bury you. Now, Jake Fromm made some money plays late in both of those games, but the point is he couldn't put this offense on his shoulders and just dominate you the way that Trevor was able to do to Notre Dame. One mistake by Notre Dame in the 2018 playoff game, and Trevor exposed it for big plays. All right, you make Notre Dame probably made five defensive mistakes that game, and f- on four of those plays, they got fifty yards or more. I mean, I'm I'm serious. Go break down the film. That's exactly what happened. It was it was absolutely wild. But you you don't have a lot of quarterbacks that have proven with that ability. Notre Dame has a guy that you you think can be that kind of guy. Now he's got to limit some of the turnovers and all that. But again, it goes down to he doesn't have to do it all by himself like he's had to. I mean, and, and again, man, like it's just the. Notre Dame hasn't just closed the gap with getting Sam Hartman against the other teams for just the 2023 season. I'm not talking about long-term. I'm talking about multiple seasons. I'm not talking about the next five, next 10. I'm not talking about any any overarching long-term implications here. I'm talking for 2023. Right now, Notre Dame in a vacuum over some of the top teams in college football, they have the gap, right? They have the gap right now because they have the proven commodity. Could Carson Beck be really good? It's possible. Could Kyle McCord end up being a dude? It's also possible. But as of right now, Sam Hartman is the known commodity coming back. So you look at the Notre Dame backfield, you're talking about a guy coming back that had 900 yards last year, averaged 5.9 yards per carry, 11 touchdowns as, as guys splitting reps. Got a talented backfield coming up behind him. There's questions what we talked about with health, which we've we've mentioned, but there's a lot of talent there. So backfield-wise, you look at Notre Dame, and, and I would argue that they have a top five backfield in college football right now now you could argue that ohio state has a better running back room you could argue that penn state has a better running back room you could argue that michigan has a better running back room and i would agree with you in all of those instances because there's a lot more proven commodities there but what they don't have is a better quarterback than what notre dame has and that's why notre dame is in that conversation with them and i think that's a great place to start the next place ryan is obviously offensive line it look I feel I feel a little bit naughty not starting with the offensive line for a Notre Dame. Well, it's just because it's so different. Like we're just yeah. almost like yeah, it's assuming that right to a degree. Now, look, the thing is with all these positions, every team in the country still has every team has a a guard they're trying to replace or a tackle they're trying to replace or this guy they're trying to replace. But that's kind of that's just part of college football. But you're talking about a team that returns arguably the best tackle tandem in college football, a veteran center who just got better and better and better last year. And you don't know who your guards are going to be, but all of them are talented guys that bring ability to the table. And you also have a schedule that's set up nicely early in the season to where your offensive line doesn't have to face the gauntlet out of the stretch like it did a year ago. 
where, I mean, Marshall was a very good defensive football team last year. They were experienced. They had a bunch of older players. They were able to just outplay Notre Dame, even though they couldn't out-talent Notre Dame. And Ohio State clearly was able to do both against Notre Dame last year. So you're breaking in last year. You had two true sophomores at offensive tackle. Blake Fisher had two career starts under his belt. Joe Smith had only been a half-year starter. Zeke Carell had only started two games in his career at center. And then Jarrett Patterson doesn't play against Ohio State. You're a mess. Your most experienced offensive lineman going to the Ohio State game last year was Andrew Kostovic, who now you're not even sure is going to start. Oh, it's actually Andrew Kostovic and Josh Lugg. And, you know, no one's arguing those are their two best offensive linemen. Well, that's a different story now. Both Blake and Joe Alt have a full year of starting experience under their belt. Zeke Carell's now a veteran experienced player. And so now it's just, okay, what are you going to figure out at guard? So the expectation is, is that this Notre Dame offensive line is going to be really good. It's going to be a top 10 caliber offensive line. And if yep. the, the thing is, you don't have to necessarily be top five everywhere to be a title contender. You just have to be good everywhere and then have a couple positions where you're really, really good. So backfield, I think they're top five. Offensive line, even just right now being conservative, it's a top 10 offensive line with a chance if the guards play well to be a top five offensive line. But we're going to try to be conservative, not just pie in the sky with every position group, right? We're going to try to be as objective as we possibly can. But but we think that's good enough with the town around them to, to be part of a championship team. If it becomes top five, like it's capable of, and that's kind of what I'm projecting, I think it will become that. Now, all of a sudden, you, you're you're winning because of your offensive line. And that's where the that's the expectation for Joe Rudolph is to build a unit that you can say, hey, we're going to win because of this unit. And they could do that against Clemson. They couldn't do that last year against USC and Ohio State for different reasons. But what was the primary reason? The backfield was not did not do what it needed to do to win those games. The defense at times, and we'll get into those. But the offensive line, to me, Ryan, I expect to be a, a if Notre Dame wins a title this year or competes for a title this year, there's no doubt the offensive line is going to be part of that. And whatever success they do have, the offensive line is going to be a big part of that. And so that's why absolutely this unit belongs in this conversation. And it's hard to quantify sometimes as far as like how just dominant an offensive line is because we talk about like, I mean, it's easy for a quarterback, for instance, right, Brian? It's like, look at what the stats say, right? And what he was able to do in the fourth quarter and what his completion percentage is and what his – Yards per attempt are, and we, we can quantify that a lot. It's an eye test for offensive linemen sometimes, man. It's when the game's on the line against a really good football team and your offensive line just wears dudes down in the most important sections of the game. Like That's kind of where I look at this offensive line, and I think that they can be that in 2023 because you mentioned it already. You're returning three starters, but those three starters are – at the most important positions on an offensive line. We're talking about the offensive tackle, left tackle, and Joe Alt, who was an All-American last season, arguably the top offensive tackle in college football returning in in 2023. You're talking about Blake Fisher, who, look, man, Blake Fisher needs to take a step up and be able to take his game to that next level. But just on a physical, from a physical perspective, you could argue that he's more talented in a dominance perspective than Joe Alt at his absolute best. You can make that conversation. And then Zeke Carell should be one of the better starting centers returning in college football in 2023. And if you could tell me you could only return three starters on the offensive line, I would want a left tackle, right tackle, and center. 
not necessarily in order, but those three positions are the most important. And the great thing is, is if we're projecting, which is what we have to do with the other two guard spots, because we haven't seen a big sample size, I could say here and say, look, Josh Lug was a tough dude for Notre Dame over the last couple of years, man. Went through a lot of injuries, was a really durable player, and a guy that, that just he fought his butt off, man, for Notre Dame football. Jared Patterson ended up being a solid starting left guard for Notre Dame, making that transition over center. But I believe that your potential two starting guards in 2023 may be more physically gifted than what you had in 2022. It doesn't necessarily mean they'll be better, but that means that they may be more talented. You may have had a talent upgrade in that spot. Now, obviously, offensive line is usually dependent on experience. Like that is a big help, obviously, in the development in those in-game reps or something that is so important for offensive line. But I agree, Brian, especially when we're – because we have to juxtapose this to other offensive lines in college football. Like, that's an important part of this, especially when driving force against other teams. Because I look at it and I say, Michigan just lost their starting center and their left tackle, right? They just lost those two guys. They, they And both those guys were drafted in the NFL. You're talking about a Georgia offensive line that just lost the 14th overall pick left tackle to the NFL, as well as their starting right tackle in Warren McClendon, who was drafted as well. You talk about Alabama. Alabama lost starting guard in Emil Echior, starting offensive tackle in Tyler Steen. They also lost Javion Cohen to transfer this offseason, who ended up at the University of Miami. So all these teams have had attrition on the offensive line. But I think it's very important to, again, hyper-focus on where are the losses for Notre Dame? If there are two positions that you can afford replacing on a year-to-year basis, it's offensive guard, unless it's a Quentin Nelson, right? Like depth's that's so important, loss. Ryan. Yes. In, in yes. college football, depth's important. I mean, <clears throat> last two years, Alabama's lost their arguably their best edge rusher during the season to different reasons, and they were fine because they had other guys to step up. They lose the Anderson kid in 2021. Robert Beal steps up, right, and 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 plays well. Uh, Nolan Smith does some things this year. Nolan Smith goes down. Okay, other guys step up and play. Depth is yeah. important. You've got to be able Michael to overcome Williams that. go out there, brother. Like right. exactly, exactly. So those are things you look at, Ryan. And and you know you're talking about an offense that needs to be efficient you know, yeah. and, and also explosive. And the question is, can you can you build that type of team? And we'll talk about skill and all that, but a, the, a, dri- a big major driving force to being really efficient on offense is having a great offensive line, and that's going to be needed and something I expect. We're not going to leave the defense out of this conversation, Ryan. And I can't believe we're having this conversation. Two years ago, if you'd have told me this, I'd have laughed at you and said, man, I got a question. I got to question your football knowledge, man. I don't know about this one. If you were to say in two years, cornerback is going to be – Notre Dame's cornerback room is going to be the, one of the best in college football. I'd have been like, come on, dude. Let's be yeah. serious. I, I mean, man. I mean, dude. I mean, we're we're two seasons away from needing Nick McLeod to be a grad transfer. Like yes. needing, or else you, you are in trouble. You man. you played in the college football two year two seasons ago. Notre Dame. So it'd be what it actually be three seasons ago. So it was 22, 21, 20. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you you played in the college football playoff with Nick McLeod and Clarence Lewis as your starting corners. Right now, Nick Mc, you know Nick, Nick McLeod is an undrafted free agent. Uh, he's stuck around the NFL, I believe. He's still on yes. a, a practice squad, I believe, because he, he can run. He's a tough Claren- kid, man. Clarence yeah. Lewis, at best, is going to be in the fourth corner this year, at best. And that guy was starting for you in the playoff two years ago. Obviously, Cam Hart being developed has been important. 
and obviously the emergence of Benjamin Morrison. But as we saw this spring, Jaden Mickey had a really good spring. You've got Chance Tucker emerging for depth. And so there's some players there to the point where you're, we're going to talk about safety way down later, <laughs> right? Well, this is a position that's so strong. You can look at and say, well, what about moving some of these guys over there to help out? Because you have the depth to do so. So you're, and you're talking about a unit, Ryan, that's a little different than the 2018 unit. Because this isn't the first time Notre Dame's had a top five cornerback tandem, in my opinion. Right. I mean, 2018, I think Troy Pride and Julian Love were absolutely a top five cornerback room. But you were a little bit limited on how you could use them. Troy could play man, but Julian yep. Love was not a man guy. I remember that year because remember he had a great year in twenty twenty or twenty seventeen. That twenty three total passes defensed, which was a no, tied Notre Dame record or broken insane. Notre Dame record. Yeah, yeah, like three picks and twenty breakups, and yeah, like two of his picks were pick sixes and just all those type of things, right? But him and they, him in cover two was a joy to watch, man. Him in cover two was in, it is absolutely incredible. To your point, it was. So Notre Dame comes out the next year thinking we got an All American caliber corner, and they tried to have him play man coverage against Nico Collins. And what happened in the first opener? Nico smoked him for a fifty something yard gain on a post route, and they were like, "Yeah, let's go back to playing zone." The thing that's good about this unit is they can play zone. All right, Cam could be a great zone cornerback. I mean, as rangy as he is, try throwing, try making a cover two hole throw over top of Cam Hart. Right, good luck with that. Uh, you know, so but they're also thriving man coverage. Both of them thriving yep. man coverage. Yep. And there aren't many teams that just have two corners that you can just lock up and look up and say, "Hey, we're Uncle, who we're playing. We're going to line. You may win some, but we're going to win more." And that's a yeah. huge part of what what can be a driving force to this defense getting better this season. And that's a great, and again, I, I, again, it's, I think it's comparing it to the other teams that we would view as championship contenders in 2023, as far as what they return at cornerback. Right. And cause I think that most teams you would look at and say, they got one really good dude. Like I think of like Will Johnson for Michigan's a guy, for instance, right. It's like that guy is very talented, but they also just lost DJ Turner. So they have to replace one starting corner. So they have one really good guy coming back. I think of Georgia. They had the, the kid that was amazing in the national championship game who I, whose name's escaping me for a second. He was a former three-star, but he was a dude. But you also have to replace Keely Ringo this offseason as the other starting corner. So there's usually some attrition not you on these great teams because they – I mean, quarterback has become such an important position that – I mean, Georgia-Alabama seem to have a guy every single year – Alabama is the only team that I think that you look at as far as one of those top schools and say they're returning to their two best corners from last year. They have Kool-Aid McKistry coming back. They have Terry and Arnold. That was their best corners of last year. But I think that it's not, it's not like egregious to argue that Notre Dame's duo of Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart is in that conversation of being the best cornerback duo in college football. And that's not even counting Jaden Mickey hopefully having a little bit of a breakout. Clarence Lewis coming back. Christian Gray is a true freshman, hopefully getting some opportunities in the fall. So I think when you're talking about just that duo, Brian, for me, it's like outside of Alabama, not any like legitimate championship contender has a duo that can match the Cam Hearts. Or at least that you can say is better. At least right. you can say it's better. Exactly. Right. And, and and I know that people talk about like Denzel Burke, and, and I'm like, okay fine I, I get he's mock draft in the first round by everybody but the production's not what it, the Even film doesn't Ohio tell State the same story aren't that high on Denzel Burns, no so, yeah. no <laughs> yeah uh but yeah I mean it, it's it but it's again it's also 
it's not just talented corners. It's it's talented corners that can match up with size. They can match up with speed. They can play zone. They can play man. And they're just aren't. That's what made that 2018 Clemson cornerback tandem so good. AJ Terrell and Trayvon Mullen, right? Is they were so long, they could be really good zone guys, but they could just line up and say, "We're gonna we're gonna cover you." And now Notre Dame's guys were able to get a, a little bit of separation, but they were getting like yeah. NFL separation, not college separation. And yeah. that's why you needed a big time quarterback to be able to make them pay, and they couldn't do it. Like right? half, beat, a, half a stat, not right, multiple stat. right? Like that yeah, post exactly. route that Miles Boykin beat, he had him beat, but yeah. it's like NFL beat, meaning like you needed to make a good throw. It wasn't like he was eight yards past the guy, and and that's why the the lack of quarterback plays hurt them. This kind of goes back to that original thing. Now you feel like they have a quarterback that can bang that post throw, and and it's touchdown or first and goal. But Notre Dame's got a cornerback tandem where you're going to make a play here and a play there. I mean, Ohio State beat Cam Hart twice early, once for pass interference and once on a touchdown where he un- he he tried to undercut the route, didn't get to the ball, turned it up and beat him. Didn't beat him the rest of the game, right? So you got him early, but you didn't get him again. They tried to pick on Benjamin Morrison, didn't go well. And now I, Ohio State fans say, well, you know, but that was Marvin Harrison. Or Yeah, guys, it was Benjamin Morrison's first career game ever. Right. So, yes, Marvin got better. So did Benjamin. And it's going to be a great battle, you know, but but in past years, you look at like if Notre Dame is having to play a Marvin Harrison and a Nemeka Ibuka, I don't care where they're playing. And you're trying to guard them with Nick McLeod and Clarence Lewis or, you know, some of the the tandems they've had in the past. You're like, this is not going to be good. This is this is going to not be good. Now you're you're talking about we do have a 2018 caliber unit because the 2018 corners weren't getting beat either. When Clemson beat Notre Dame in 2018 throwing the football, it wasn't against Julian Love and Troy Pride. Right. It was against Dante Vaughn, the safeties, positions like that, right? And you feel like you have that tandem group again. And those guys are excellent, Ohio State, but so was that Clemson tandem that we saw Notre Dame go toe-to-toe with in 2018 of T. Higgins and, and Justin Ross. So that, that's what you kind of get fired up about, Ryan, is it, it's it's a the, in this conversation, the reason that I feel differently about this team and why I'm more optimistic about this team than past teams where you just needed everything to go right is in this conversation right here. 2019, 2020, I'd say more so 2019, especially, but 2020, even going into the season. I didn't have a lot of confidence as a quarterback, and I didn't have a lot of confidence in a running at running back. Sure. And didn't have a lot of confidence at corner. Now you look at it and say, what are two of your three greatest strengths? Quarterback and cornerback. Those are two of the most posi- important positions in college football that you see team. Brian Smith did a, a breakdown on this, but he talked about teams that have like won conference championships and then the playoffs. Most of them had really good cornerback tandems, including Notre Dame in 2018, had a really good cornerback tandem. Yep. Had one of the best secondaries in college football that year, which is why that was a Notre Dame team that we all felt belonged more than the 2020 team, right? Who just benefited from the COVID year with all due respect to that team. I mean, they, they battled their butts off and they came together as a team and it's, it's a season those kids should all be very, very proud of, but it's, it, that wasn't a typical, that wasn't one of your two best Notre Dame teams. And my, there's three or four Notre Dame teams better than that team. That team did what they needed to do, but you know, we even went to that Bama game saying Notre Dame's going to have to have everything go right and Bama to make mistakes to have a chance to win this game. Well, I think Bama is the perfect example of what you're talking about, Brian, because I mean, the two things that like I, I, well, I left the Alabama game and I was like, the biggest differences in that football game 
was Notre Dame was not on par from a quarterback perspective as far as his ability to make plays consistently and the speed outside on the perimeter. Like, they were throwing bubble screens all day. I mean, give Mac Jones all the credit. Mac Jones was phenomenal that year. But Mac Jones was not like – he wasn't pressed to do a ton in that football game. Do you know how many completions he had beyond 20 yards past line scrimmage? Probably one. Zero. Zero, yeah. Yeah, The only one that traveled more than 20 yards, quote-unquote 20 yards, was one that got caught in the end zone. Is that drag route to Jaleel Billingsley. Is the only one that pro football focus had going over 20. He tried to throw over 20 early, and Hamilton almost picked him off. Was that the one down the sideline that he broke yeah. up? Yeah, Kyle yeah. almost yeah. almost Slade picked him Bolton off or whatever. And they yeah. were like, "Yeah, we're not doing this again." And didn't didn't need to. To your point, they didn't need to. This team is much better. I mean, Clemson tried to do that against Notre Dame this year, and and it just it did not work at all. Ohio State I mean, tried to do some of that stuff this year against Notre Dame, and it didn't work. If you're going to beat Notre Dame, you better be able to beat them down the field. And that that well, you know, Brian. I mean, I just think it's some of the biggest plays in that Alabama game was it was either bubbles to to Devonta Smith or it was an outside zone to Najee Harris where he hurdled a corner, right? right. Like that was like the biggest place in that football yeah. game. I'm just and like linebackers did a terrible job scraping on that. Play. Yeah. It was if really you go back great. and watch that play, that long run, Notre Dame's defensive line pushed Alabama's def- offensive line, like two yards into the backfield. Yeah. But drew white ran right into a blocker and Nick McLeod whiffed. Yes. And, and outside of that, Bama did nothing in the run game that day. Yeah. Cause Notre Dame, Notre Dame, at the very least, stalemated Alabama in that game on offensive line because they got tons of pressure, just they couldn't bring Mac Jones down. They got outclassed on the perimeter in that game, on both sides of the ball. That was the problem. That was the problem. Here's the other thing too, Ryan. We talk about corner play. We can't dismiss the impact that Thomas Harper can have in the nickel either. If he's healthy and plays like he did last year at Oklahoma State, He's out. He's he's a top 10 nickel, in my opinion, in college football, if he plays like that. And you go back and look at – and you want to know an example? You want to know evidence why I believe that? Number one is film. I thought the film was excellent. Number two, go look at what that defense did the minute he went out. Literally, the minute he went out, they were blasting TCU. He got hurt. It was like 24 to 7. He got hurt. And that's when TCU went on their run. And their defense was never the same after that. Now, was it all on Thomas Harper getting hurt? No, there's other things, but that was a big part of it. Because he just, he was the glue that held it all together because he was there. Then all these other guys could do all these other things. And you could trust him to do so many different things. Slot, he'd roll to the middle. He would do different things. And he now gives Notre Dame that weapon that that adds to that as well. And so I think that's something that you look at and say, I'm, I'm, it adds to to me. He's considered a safety, but I consider the nickel the way he plays it more of a cornerback than I do a safety. Yeah, in my opinion, which adds well, to the the depth. Oklahoma State in that nickel position have been so important for that defense over the last couple of years. You think about even with Tanner McCall. I mean, people will probably remember Tanner McAllister when Notre Dame played them, and Tanner didn't even have a great game in that game. That was a Lorenzo Styles you know, was, was incredible in that football game as a freshman. But I mean, Brian, I like this is, and this is why this is an abnormal feeling for a lot of people. And I think that some people are still hesitant on it. Cause they're like, it's, I don't think this is real yet. Right. But you're looking at it and you're like the last time you felt this good about quarterback and Notre Dame on the perimeter has been a very, very long time. So, I mean, I I'm trying to remember the last time I felt good about both of those 
in the same season, man. Like that's that's a that's a long conversation to to try to figure that out, right? Like I, I don't know, man. Nineteen ninety three. Wow, about that far back. I mean, to, to where I mean, let's be serious. To, to where both of those positions were really good. Yeah. I right, twenty eighteen. I didn't have a lot of faith in Ian Book was going to win those big games. You know my stance on on Ian Book. Nice kid, hard worker, uh, good leader, but just not a just not that dude. 2015, uh, yeah, maybe you could argue 2015 to a degree with Malik and Deshaun plus, you know, Kavari and Cole Luke. Uh, I think quarterback was a little bit more of a question mark then. The talent was there. Before that, I mean, the only quarter good quarterback they had before that, Everett in 2012, but, I mean, Everett was a redshirt freshman. And, you know, is Bennett Jackson and Kavari Russell as a true freshman really a, a great corner duo? I don't think so. Then they had great quarterbacks in Charlie's era, but they never had great corners in Charlie's era, right? And so, yeah, I think you have to go back to I – mean, who was the best quarterback before that? Arnez right. Battle before he got uh, hurt? You know, like Jerry's Jackson. Yeah. They didn't have great corner. I mean, you have Brock – didn't Brock Williams and Jerry's Jackson overlap at some point in time, but that wasn't a great corner. 2002, you had a pretty good cornerback duo in, in uh, Shane Walton and, and uh, Vontez Duff. Yeah. She didn't have great quarterback situation, right? So, yeah, it's probably 1993 with Kevin McDougal and, yeah, like Bobby Taylor and uh, – who was the other corner on that team? I'm drawing a blank here, but they had – I mean, that secondary was riddled with NFL players in 1993. Just – yeah. You had backups that were draft. They got drafted from that secondary at Notre Dame. So yeah, I mean, oh boy. I mean, and if you really want to get down to it, since Kevin McNugal was a little bit of an unknown going into that season, you'd have to go back to like what eighty nine with Tony Rice and and uh, Stance Magala and Todd Light, right? I mean, <laughs> that's how long it's been since you've had. I've had this much optimism about those two positions heading into a season. So and, and that and that in some of the biggest football games, like again, I'm 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 picking Alabama game in 2020 as kind of the example of this, but that has been a couple positions that there has been a clear advantage from some of the best football teams in college football. That's that's the two yeah. of the spots. I guarantee if we pulled the chat and if the chat wants to respond to this, I, I you know, please do. And maybe we'll talk about this on the message board at some point later. But if I asked you, what are the two positions that have most needed to be upgraded for Notre Dame over the last couple of years? Guarantee it would be quarterback and corner. I guarantee it that those would be the two spots. Maybe wide receiver would be in that conversation for some people. Maybe, but I, I really think cornerback. There's been some good years with co- good receivers. I mean, 2019 exactly. receiving core is pretty good. 2020 was pretty good receiving core. Javon McKinley had a very good year that year. Ben Skronik was a nice player. Uh, Kevin Austin was a guy you expected things from before he got hurt. So, I mean, at this point in time, going into 2020, we're expecting a big breakout from Kevin Austin, and we're expecting Javon McKinley to do well and, you know, all types of things like that. But, no, you're right, Ryan.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.